Welcome to LifeBridge Online. Whenever it is that you are watching this, or if you're just listening to the podcast, we are grateful that you are tuning in and you are giving us the opportunity to minister to you. We pray always that the content that we put out, what God puts on our hearts, is something that will impact your life, that will spur you on in your faith journey. So with that, let's pray right now, and we will get into our teaching today. God, we love you. We thank you for being sovereign. We thank you for being powerful. God, no matter what we're doing right now, however we're getting this material, whether we're sitting on the couch or driving down the road or working in the garden, Father, you have the ability to speak into our lives. Your word is that powerful. We know that it is alive and we know that it is active. And Lord, I pray that for the next few minutes, your words will meet us where we are. Change our lives through our desire and our willingness to listen to your word. We love you. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, right out of the gate, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts uh, chapter 1. There's some dialogue that was going to help us set the stage for the rest of our talk. In my first book, this is chapter 1 of verse 1, I told you, Theopolis, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I love this scene, right? The disciples, it's just, they can't help it. They are themselves. Since coming out of the tomb, Jesus has appeared to them time and time again. The, the number 40 days is, is mentioned. And he comes to them throughout this time to reveal to them and to remind them that he truly is alive. Hey, this is, this is not a dream that you see me interacting with you. It's not a fluke. Jesus died, and now he is here with these men. And these men, if you follow the dialogue there, they, they know their history. They know the promises of the Old Testament, that Jesus is going to return, and, and the kingdom of Israel is going to be reestablished on earth. And they want to know, hey, Jesus, is it? Is now the time? Is, is, it, is it time now for this to take place, for the restoration of your kingdom? And of course, Jesus, I love this line. Jesus gives them the classic, 
that's none of your business, right? Like, like only God knows when this is going to take place. He says, those dates, they're not for you. Oh, that means that something is for them. He says to them, here's what you do need to know. Don't worry about the dates. Don't worry about when things are going to happen. But here's what you do need to know. The Holy Spirit, the thing I talked about before going to the cross, the Holy Spirit is going to come and it's going to come into you at the proper time. And when that happens, you will be my witnesses telling everyone about me. You're going to do it here in Jerusalem. You're going to go throughout the region of Judea. You're going to go back into Samaria. You're going to go even to the ends of the earth. Like that's what you need to know. This, you will be my witnesses that Jesus says. It's, it's better explained in our Core 52 verse uh, for the week. Uh, we're doing a series, Core 52, 52 important verses or passages throughout Scripture. Let's look at this. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is our core verse for the week. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And, and, and so Jesus tells them over here, you're going to be my witnesses to uh, Jerusalem, to the people of Jerusalem and the region of Judea, uh, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. And, and here he, he gives them uh, a similar message. He elaborates on it just a little bit with this command that Jesus is giving to his followers. He's saying to them essentially that your responsibilities have now changed. You're going to now go be witnesses to the entire world. The role that they play is now different than it was the day before. See, before this moment right here, before this time period where Jesus is giving them this new command, they were disciples only. They were followers. They were learners of a rabbi. With this command, they are now taking on the role of rabbi. Now, they are now being tasked with not just being disciples, but they have been tasked with making disciples as Jesus made disciples. Their role in what Jesus has them has now changed. As a kid, and uh, I guess young adult, you might say, I was still definitely an immature child. Uh, I played basketball for eight consecutive years. I started in seventh grade. I'd never picked up a basketball before. Um, didn't take a whole lot to make the the team at South Jackson uh, is an elementary middle school combo. It, it, didn't, it didn't take a whole lot to, to make the team there, and so I was fortunate enough to make the seventh grade team, and I fell in love with the sport, and I played basketball through my second year of college. Here's the thing. 
I had a different basketball coach every single year. I'm, I'm not sure if that's a direct reflection on me or if that's just the circumstances, but I never had a coach two years in a row. You know, they say about sports that sports will teach you life lessons, and I've certainly learned a lot of lessons playing sports. Uh, but one of the most important life lessons I've learned in sports was my high school year of basketball. Uh, that year, we had a man by the name of Coach Pelham. Uh, he, was, he was our coach that year. I didn't know anything about him, and I learned an important lesson on a Tuesday night. Uh, it was a school night. We had played a game. Uh, we played a team at their place. It was actually, if you're familiar with the layout of, of North Georgia, it was Rabin County. Uh, we should have beat that team by 30. Okay, it just it, it's uh, they were just a, a lesser opponent at that time, but we we didn't we didn't beat them as bad as we should have. We did win the game, but we did not beat them, and we were playing terrible as a team. As a matter of fact, we, we were pretty much a selfish team uh, for the most part, and many people wanted to kind of be the, the central figure. They, they wanted to be the star. They wanted to be the main person with the ball, myself included. And, and there was just this climax moment of the season on this Tuesday night, and our coach was fed up. I learned a lesson that night. The lesson... The lesson learned, something we say often, know your role. Now, he added to that a little bit. The, the lesson from Coach Pelham is know your role and shut your hole, meaning it's his way or the highway. This is what I want you to do and how I want you to do it, and we're not going to have any debate. We're not going to have any argument. And so the lesson learned that night was know your role. See, I wanted to be the guy with the ball in my hand. After all, my position that year was shooting guard. I'm the, I'm the only person on the court. I'm the, only, I'm the only position on the court that has the title shooting in it. You got the point guard, you got the center, you got the forwards, the small forward, the, the, the big forward. I'm the only one with the title shooting in it. So I wanted to be the guy who shot the ball. I wanted to be the guy who got the, the points. And to do this, I needed to have the ball in my hand. I needed to have the ball, you know, 12 to 15 times a game or more, preferably, uh, <laughs> my estimation. My coach, however, had a different plan for me in the offense that we were running. We were running this, this offense called a motion offense. And there's a, there's a lot of movement, as you can probably take away from that. And, and with this movement, it's not just random movement. It, it's movement that involves a lot of uh, setting picks or setting screens to get other people open. But here's the thing. I was more interested in getting myself open than I was others. After all, the, the philosophy that, you know, I kind of lean on, especially this time period of my life, was the only bad shots are the ones you don't take, right? So I wasn't interested in getting other people open. I wanted to get myself open. So on this Tuesday night, we got back to the school about 11 o'clock. Raven County was 
75 miles away and the school bus and yada, yada, yada. And when we got back to the school, our coach decides that he's going to have a practice right then and there. Off the bus, change clothes, we're going to practice. He is ticked. He is extremely upset at how we are playing as a team. And so he has us on the court running our offense over and over and over again. Yelling. Fussing saying some not-so-nice words to, to emphasize the points that he was making. He's getting on to me, too. He, he, he is calling me out, and he is getting on to me, let's say, uh, with major passion, to the point that he wants to run the offense with us. He's not just going to stand on the sideline. He wants to run the offense with us. So he removes uh, the point guard, and he starts practicing with us. He's running the play. And I, and I run it. Uh, I run the play as I want to run the play. I'm sitting there, and the next thing you know is I'm running the play, not as he wants me to do it, as he's told me to do it, but I'm running the play as I want to do it, the next thing I know, I get beamed in the back of the head with the basketball. We run it again. We, we run the play one more time. And a second time, I get beamed in the back of the head with the basketball. See, here's the thing about uh, setting a pick or setting a screen in basketball. After you come up and you set the screen, you, you get in position, you set the screen, the, the guy that uh, you're helping out, your teammate that you're trying to get open, he comes off. You, you have to offer your body. You're, you're going to get hit in this process of, of setting the screen. But when you set the screen, the next thing you're to do as the screen setter is, is to roll in a way that, that rolls towards the basket. All right, and here's the thing. Most of the time, if done correctly, the person who sets the screen, who sets the pick, and then rolls to the basket will be wide open, and they will have the opportunity to score. And so after being beamed in the head the second time, my coach comes and he gets in my face and he tells me very straightforward. We're going to do this again. And this time, I want you to roll to the basket like I've taught you. And so as I go and I do the thing, I roll to the basket. And to my surprise, the ball is right here. And I score an easy layup. It's the classic Carl Malone and John Stockton, if you know anything about basketball. Michael was so worried. I was so worried about what I wanted my role to be on the team that I was missing the bigger picture of how the coach was wanting to use me on this team on the team, and it doesn't matter what sport it is, you have to know your 
role. And Jesus, with this command that he is giving to his disciples, he is now giving his followers a new role. A, a, a role that they have been in training for. Going on three years now. These, these men took to their new role. Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples and, and, and we'll walk through that. They took this new role of disciple maker and they ran with it. And because they did what was expected of them, the result, they changed the world. As they did the thing that Jesus expected of them in this new role, they changed the world. As a matter of fact, you and I are here today because of the disciples understanding the new role that they had. Go make disciples. And it has led to generational change. If you're a follower today, if you're a follower of Jesus right now, the same expectation is yours. Jesus wants you to understand your role. He, he wants you to be discipled by someone more mature in the faith so that you can make disciples. And, and here's the thing. It, it doesn't matter what your career path is. It doesn't matter if you're working 50 five, 60 hours a week or, or whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter if you are a, a big wig executive, if you're a factory worker, if you are a stay-at-home parent, if you're a stay-at-home parent, and it doesn't matter. God wants you to know what your role is. It doesn't matter what your education is. If, if you're a graduate with a degree as an astrophysicist, I can barely even say it, right? Or if you just have your GED, the role that Jesus desires is the same. Be discipled so you can make disciples. That's what Jesus is saying to this group. As he tells them, they are going to be his witnesses to the ends of of the earth. So with that, let's wrap our mind around what the disciples heard that day. Let, let's, let's wrap our mind around this command we've called the Great Commission. Now, before we do this, I, I, I feel like I need, to, I need to give us a warning, okay? I, I think if, I'm, if we're going to do any due diligence in having this conversation, I, I need to give you a warning about two types of sin that we all participate in. But all of us have, are, are guilty of this. Okay, maybe you've heard of this. There's the sin of commission. This involves the willful act of doing something that violates God's commands in Scripture, such as lying or stealing. Then there's the, the sin of omission. You know, this involves not doing what is right or failing to do what has been instructed. Let me, let me give you another example of this. Uh, you, you can relate to this. When a parent tells their child that they aren't allowed to play video games until their homework is done, but they do it anyway, this is a clear act of disobedience. They did something they weren't supposed to do. We'd call this a sin of commission. They committed this. 
However, if a parent tells their child to clean their room and they don't, this is also an act of disobedience, but not because of something they've done. It has more to do with what they haven't done. This is the sin of omission. And, and I say this, I give you this warning, and it's important for us to think through the sins of commission and the sins of omission, because in my opinion, a vast majority of the modern church is living with the sin of omission. We are not doing what Jesus expects. We, we have taken his method. We've done this um, the way church was set up, and we've, we've twisted it, and we've made it fit our lifestyle and our culture. Okay? And I believe that the vast majority of the church is living in the sin of omission. All right, so let's talk through uh, this passage phrase by phrase, all right? So if you pick it up, Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, verse 18, Jesus says to those on the mountainside with him, right? So he's got his audience. He's got this group there. He says to them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, now I don't know about you, but those are some pretty strong words. And I think we need to take note of those words before we we move forward. Um, I'm reminded of the, the, the investment commercial. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. And I don't know if you remember that commercial, but, but when in, in, the, in the scene, they, it, it, it's two people having a conversation. And, and when this is mentioned, when E.F. Hutton talks, and then it pans out and you see everybody, everybody doing whatever it is that they're doing, they stop and they, they are dialed in. They are focused. What's coming next? This, this is the scene right here. Jesus tells the disciples that he has all authority. Now, when the mentor that you have been following, the guy who has conquered death, begins the conversation with all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Church, we need to pay attention. Uh, now, we know from other things that, other instances, that Jesus speaks with authority. Uh, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, for example, it, it said that Jesus taught with an authority unlike they people have never heard before. But now Jesus is stating this very fact. I have all authority, not just in heaven, not just there, but on earth as 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 well. So we need to pay attention. What comes next is pretty important. Therefore, go. Since I've been given all power and authority on heaven and earth, go. In the Greek, as it's recorded, it would be stated, as you go, or as you proceed, throughout your day. The go is all about maximizing the opportunities throughout your day. This is how Jesus did ministry, church. Jesus maximized the opportunities 
throughout each day. He had a small group of men and some women who followed him on a daily basis. He interacted with larger crowds. He interacted with groups of people who needed his assistance, who needed his help. But how he did ministry was throughout each and every single day. And he invested in his disciples daily. He taught them lessons moment to moment throughout the day. This is the method Jesus did ministry. As you go. Was he in the classroom some? Absolutely. Was he have audiences that would he would teach? Absolutely. Those are super important. But the bulk of Jesus' ministry was done in the format of as you go. As you go throughout your day, as you're living your life. That's how Jesus did ministry. Uh, just some food for thought. I want you to think through this. I don't know what your church experience is, but uh, think through this with what you know of church. Why has the church separated the, the mission of Jesus from his method? Think through that. Mark Moore says this in our Core 52 essay. The world is not our responsibility, but God's. Our responsibility is merely to be available to go where God needs us to go and to be who we already are, influencing those whom we already have a relationship with. That's the implication of the Greek word for go. The next phrase uh, to, to look at in this command is the as you go, we're to make disciples. Like, like that's as, as we're going through the day, we are to make disciples. This is the actual command. This is the charge to his disciples on that mountainside. Hey guys, I want you to go duplicate yourself. You guys are my disciples. Now go make more disciples. This is where their role is being changed. And we need to be careful with something here. Like this is the command. As you go, make disciples. That's what they're supposed to do. So if you don't hear anything else today, please hear this. And I know I've been talking for several minutes now. We have to be united in understanding what a disciple is. When, when John, Peter, Matthew, Andrew, and, and, and the, the boys heard Jesus say, make disciples, what did they understand Jesus to say in that moment? This is important because what has happened in the church is that we somehow have come up with different understandings of what a disciple really is. For instance, I grew up in in the church and uh, you know back in the in the 80s this passage that we're speaking on today it was taught on but the understanding was that this was a verse for missionaries that that this going into the world was all about making converts in foreign lands this this was all about evangelism and evangelizing and and spreading the word of god in foreign lands like 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 the disciples were the people who actually traveled overseas, who, who went to different places. 
Then I went to another church and I spent time there. And the understanding of a disciple was a person who participated in the activities at the church. So you see, the, these two churches had their own understanding of a disciple. But if I focus on one church's versus the other church, I'm going to get something different. And so if we're going to be accurate in Jesus' teaching, we have to understand what the disciples understood when Jesus gave this command. To understand this, look at me, look with me at Matthew 4.19. What is a disciple? Well, Jesus kind of summarizes this, and he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So Jesus is the rabbi, and rabbis would have followers, and so he is inviting these men into a discipling relationship. So in the moment, that's what he is doing here. I want you to come follow me. And in the rabbi-learner relationship, it's all about becoming like your rabbi. And so Jesus kind of gives us a framework here of what a disciple is. That a, a disciple is a person who follows Jesus for the sake of becoming like him. It's not just to meander through life with him. I'm going to follow you for the sake of becoming like you. A, a disciple is a person who is being formed by Jesus. Jesus says it right here to these guys, right? Make no surprise. I will make you. I mean, it, Jesus is saying to them, as you follow me, I, I'm going to transform you. Like, I'm going to take what you currently are, and I'm going to turn you into something else. And so the last part of what this verse says about what a disciple is, a disciple is a person who fulfills the mission of Jesus. Hey, right now, you guys are a bunch of fishermen, but I will turn you into fishers of men. And so as Jesus invites them into this discipling relationship, they have an understanding of what is expected. They know that they must follow their rabbi. They know that as they do this, they will be transformed. And they know that at the end of this, they will be fishing for human life. So as Jesus gives them the command, make disciples, they understand what it is Jesus is asking. And they understand that what Jesus is asking happens as we go through life together daily. And let me tell you, I, I can talk for hours on this, but not today. Here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. We don't get to choose what a disciple looks like. We don't get to define that. This has already been done in Scripture. We must model how Jesus did what he did. And the disciples knew this. When they received this command, go make disciples, they did it as Jesus did it to them, and they were part of this world-changing movement. As we go and as we make disciples, Jesus says that uh, we need to um, 
go to all nations, like, like to the ends of the earth, right? Like that's what he says, and that we are to baptize these people. Like that's kind of the beginning part of, of this process of discipleship. And so he elaborates here that as you go, uh, as you go to all nations, you baptize and you do so. You do this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? So that's part of this discipleship process is a celebration of, of baptism, of, of being raised to new life in Christ. But it's the beginning of this discipling process. Then he says that you are to teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Notice the instruction here isn't teach them what to obey. That's, that's not what Jesus said. Teach these new disciples to obey, not teach them what to obey. This is logic that the church has embraced, I believe, over the years. We have spent countless hours in classes, in Sunday schools, and in sanctuaries, from the pulpit, conferences, teaching people what they are to obey. Jesus' instruction, however, was teach them to obey. I want you to think about this. If you're just teaching what to obey, all you're doing is giving them the information. That, that, that's what the church has become quite, quite masterful at doing over the, over the decades. Giving the information of what you are to obey. But when you teach someone to obey, you are giving them the information and you're showing them how to do this in real life. Think about teaching your child to drive a car. You, you didn't go to your 15-year-old or 16-year-old. You didn't go to them and you didn't say, well, here's the driving manual. Read this. Take the test. Once you pass the test, here's the keys. Go drive. I mean, you didn't do that, at least if you're in your right mind, right? No, you, you gave them the manual. You, you hopefully sat down with them. You quizzed them yourselves. They, they take the, the, the test to prove that they have the knowledge. But then you didn't just throw them the car keys and say, go have fun. Be careful. No, you, you rode with them. You, you correct mistakes when they are happening. You know, when they're driving out of control, when they're, you know, not at, at, at 10 and 2, when they're speeding or when they're braking hard, when they're rolling through stop signs, you correct the behavior in the moment as you are going with them. You ride with them and you help them to develop healthy driving habits. And then you turn them loose. You turn them loose to, to drive to school. You turn them loose to, to go to the grocery store, to run that errand. And then, as they show that they're capable, as they show that they're able to do these things, then you eventually turn them loose. They're driving to see grandparents in other states. You teach them to obey the commands I have given you. That's what Jesus tells his disciples. Don't just give them the information, but show them how to live this out in life.
Show them how to be patient with those who might be testy. Show them how to be gracious. Show them how to be kind. Then Jesus wraps up this moment with them by saying something that hopefully provides a little comfort, hopefully some encouragement. He says this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. You know, here's the thing about this command. Jesus isn't turning his disciples loose to do this on their own. You know, I mean, part of the last thing Jesus prayed before going to the cross, you can find it in John chapter 17, was for those who would go out into the world to, to be my witnesses. He prayed for their protection. He prayed for God's guidance and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Even before this command, Jesus is praying that this very thing is going to happen. Jesus is not going to turn us loose on our own church to go and make disciples. Mark Moore says this, because this is God's mission and our co-mission, he's fully prepared to be fully present. Jesus himself will continue to be with us through the Holy Spirit, who will guide, chide, and provide the wisdom, power, and opportunities. Jesus says to his disciples, I've invited you to be my follower. I've taught you. I've trained you. And now I'm sending you. And rest assured, I will be with you always, even to the very end of your life. So that's the great commission. So what about you today? What is your step of faith? What is your next step in this journey that you are on in your relationship with the Lord? Do you trust Jesus enough to say one of two things? Jesus, I need to be discipled as you disciple people. Or, is your step to say, I need to trust Jesus and start discipling as he did? There's a lot here. We've talked for almost 40 minutes and we could teach on this for hours. But the Great Commission is really this simple. Walk with people daily as you walk with Jesus daily. Before long, They'll meet each other. Church, this great commission was not just for those on the mountainside. But it's for you and I today. May we not live with the sin of omission. Until next week, we'll see you.